Greetings and salutations to you all. This is Dee Dee Moonflyer. Welcome to Twilight Tonic, your weekly voyage to points distant and parts unknown. We'll discuss all things paranormal, spiritual, weird, and wonderful. So if you're ready, grab your favorite tonic, your best comfy chair, and let's begin. Twilight Tonic, I have somebody close by in the same state, only like two and a half hours away from me. His name is T-Dog, and he is the founder of Riverbend Paranormal. And how are you tonight, T-Dog? Good, good. Doing great. Awesome. And you've been in this for 22 years, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. It's been quite a journey. Wow. Can, you know, I like to start and and ask you, why? Why in the world would you want to do this? Well, more out of curiosity than anything. Growing up as a kid, I had others around me, family members, friends, um, that would always tell me about their experiences they had growing up and seeing uh, ghosts or, you know, hearing things and having experiences. And I never had any. And mm-hmm. I was almost kind of jealous that I didn't have <laughs> experiences so I, I set out to try to have some experiences myself and that's kind of what really got me started was the just the curiosity is it is it real you know mm-hmm. i want to think for myself if it is so I've, I've been doing it for 20 plus years now and i've had some experiences of my own and now that i uh, that i have i have some stories to tell myself yeah you know like I used to do as a kid growing up now are you from indiana Yes, yeah. I'm from uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Been here most of my life, other than being overseas a couple of times when my dad was in the military. Mm-hmm. I was uh, born. I was born in Okinawa, Japan, and wow. I lived in Germany. Lived in Germany for a few years. Wow! So your family had experiences. Out of their experiences, which one really caught your eye? Well, out of my, out of my immediate family, it was my mother's. My mother uh, is sensitive somewhat to a degree, and she had a lot of experiences growing up as a kid in Baltimore, Maryland, and she would always tell us about some of the experiences she's had as far as seeing uh, apparitions in her former home, childhood home, Mm -hmm. uh, just the different natures of things with uh, her family members. Um, My mom has this thing, and she's always told us about it over the years. Uh, she'll have these weird dreams about either family or friends, close friends of the close friends of the family. If she has a dream that something bad happens to you, um, typically within 24 hours, she's getting a phone call saying that this person or that person has passed away. Oh, wow. So she's, yeah. And, and I've witnessed that not witnessed it personally, like seeing a person pass away, but witnessed that a couple of times throughout the years where she's told us she's had a dream about 
our aunt or, you know, just someone that we know uh, as a family friend. And yeah, sure, sure enough, there, there's a phone call within a day or two that this person's passed away. And this is without her having any knowledge that, that this person is sick or has an issue or anything that's going on with this person. Right. But unfortunately, I, I didn't get any of my mother's senses at all. I'm not sensitive in any kind of way. Um, well, I can't say I'm not. I do get one particular thing from, and I don't think it's from my mother, but I get random smells out of nowhere for no reason at the most random places. It could be perfume or uh, cigar smoke or um, most recently I was coming back from the Indiana State Sanatorium one night and I was driving the country roads mm-hmm. and out of nowhere I got this strong smell of coffee like it was in the truck with me and there was no reason for it. I mean, I'm not in the middle of cornfields right? Know, and I get the strong smell of coffee and my father-in-law had passed away a few years ago and we did a lot of work together with my home remodel and stuff and he drank coffee all day long. He'd have it in his truck with him, you know, 24 <laughs> seven. If he was awake, he was drinking coffee. Um, so I get smells from time to time, but that's about the only thing that I pick up on sometimes when I'm at different locations or different places. Right. You know, I think it's really interesting. I, I told this story before, but it's really quite funny. Um, I used to drive from Dayton to Fort Wayne because I was still teaching dance at the time at Sinclair. And it was so funny. And I'd pass this one area. And the first time it happened, I just ignored it. And I kept smelling cigarette smoke. I don't smoke. And this kept happening. And then later I got this funny feeling there was somebody in the back seat. And I was sitting there and I I looked in the mirror. I didn't see anyone, but I just sensed it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I go, look, if you're going to ride with me, you're not allowed to smoke in the car. So next time I, I drove, I smelled the cigarette smoke for a moment and it disappeared. And it was the weirdest mm-hmm. experience that happened like three or four times. I'd have to say, you can't smoke in the car. That's crazy. I know. Those right. back roads sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just never know. Yeah. That's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. So I know people don't realize that have never investigated. It is a lot of hard work. It is. It truly is. They don't realize what all goes into it as far as uh, prepping for the investigation, mm-hmm. getting things, getting equipment together, charging things up, doing your research on the location. Mm-hmm. The time on the road to get to the location. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, it, it's like having a, a, a part-time job. Yeah. You know, that you're not getting paid for. <laughs> you're the one that's paying to do it, you know. Right. Yeah. And and I think people don't realize it's not only like hard work. It's dirty work. You're in old buildings. Yes. Yes. And I've been to plenty crumbled down buildings that were full of debris and, you know, just walking through. Yeah, it could, it's a chore. And most of the time we're doing it at dark too. So, you know, there's that aspect of it. You know, you got to be careful about what you're doing, walking up and down steps and through hallways and corridors and tunnels and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, I'm more afraid of people than I am the dead. Right. 
Because you never know what you're going to run into in some of these buildings, correct? Correct. Correct. What is some of the, out of curiosity, have you ever ran into like just a person living in a building? I can't say that I have. Um, Well, you know what? Yes, I have. I have. Um, There's a place out in New York. It's called Kings Park Psychiatric Center. Yeah. Uh It's been closed down for years. The place is absolutely huge. There's probably 30 different buildings on this property. Uh, It has tunnels that run from each building going underneath the whole property. And it is abandoned. It's, It's a park. Uh, but the buildings are still there from the psychiatric center and there's a ton of them. And uh, we did go in there and explore some of them. And obviously being that it's in a park and uh, you know, the abandoned people, the buildings are abandoned. Some people go through them and check them out and you know, whatever, whatever. So yeah, there's been a couple of times where I've been to a location like that uh, where we've ran into other people. And most of the time it's younger kids exploring and uh, they're like, oh, are you guys ghost hunters? Because they'll see us with our equipment. And we try to uh, give them a better understanding of what we're doing and what the equipment is and how it, how it works compared to them just running around and vandalizing stuff. Like, if you guys are going to be here, you know, at least you can, mm-hmm. you know, do this. And then, then, you'll get, then you'll get a better experience. Then maybe you'll have something to take home to listen to. Uh, and see if you get any evidence, you know. So I, I normally uh, try to teach him if I come across somebody that says, hey, are you guys investing? You know, then I'll try to teach him some of the equipment or just, or just tell him some of the basic things that they can use that they have on them. You know, your phone, you can, most people can video on their phone or record on their phone. So if you pull your recording app up on your phone, ask some questions, you never know, you might get something. Yeah, exactly. It's it's better than vandalizing a beautiful old building that already has issues, right? Right, for sure, for sure. So in your paranormal experiences with your group, which your group has, what, three people in it, you said? No, 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 no. Um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a sister group of Ribbon, Riverbend Paranormal. Oh, okay. I'm Riverbend Paranormal, Indiana. Um, Brian Murray and Michelle Stratton from Ghost Hunters, the TV show mm-hmm. that was on a few years back uh, with Daryl Marston and Brandon Alvis and all them. Yeah. I'm on, I'm, I'm their group. I'm, I'm their Indiana chapter of the Riverbend, Illinois. Okay. That's they awesome. have about 15 members on their team. And I think we have about uh, 11 or 12 on our team. Okay. Awesome. And I've been part, I think we're working on three years now that I've been a part of their group. Wow. So you guys are always busy, aren't you? I I stay busy. I actually took this whole month off just so I can spend time with family, friends, my grandkids, because I was getting a lot of heat for never being home. So (laughs) come come next month on the 5th, I will be back on the road and I'll be gone. It looks like at least three, four weeks. Three of the four weekends out of the month next month, I got a lot of stuff coming up. Wow. That's that's a lot of investigating. So out of the 22 years, what is the one investigation that has stuck out? Um, that's a hard one. I've, been to, I've done so much, been to so many places. Um, well, first of all, I'll start off with, I've been doing this for 22 years, but I have yet to see a full-bodied apparition. Mm-hmm. 
I've had lots of experiences from being uh, touched, poked, groped. Um, I've seen shadow figures. I've seen things moving, doors closing. Um, but what I'm known for, I don't know if you, you're aware of this or not, um, I'm known for what they call my fear challenges. Uh, and my fear, I don't mean like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to face my fears, but that's just what, I, what it's called. Um, I go to uh, these haunted locations all around the U.S. Um, and I do what I call my fear challenge. And it's not that I'm going in there uh, being mean to them or, or antagonizing the spirits. I go in there and make myself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. What they'll do is they'll find the most scariest place in that location, whether it's Waverly Hills or an old prison, a sanatorium, whatever it is. And I'll get chained up and blindfolded in the most active or scariest area. And it'll lead me there for anywhere from a half an hour to an hour. And I'll have uh, different equipment set up around me with cameras watching me and recorders running. And I'll sit there and just pretty much relate with the location. Uh, if it's a prison, I try to play the role of an inmate. If it's a hospital, I'll play the role of a sick patient. And I try to relate with the building and the history mm-hmm. and try to get someone to interact with me. But I do it that way. So I, I try to let the spirits know that I'm vulnerable. I'm not here to harm you. I can't move. I can't see if you're coming to talk to me. You know, so feel free to come talk to me. I'm, I'm not going nowhere. Right. You know, so that's uh, kind of my thing that I do. And I've probably done 50 of those at, well, probably more than 50, probably 60, 60 to 70 of those so-called challenges in at least 45 different locations throughout the United States. And uh, sometimes I get some good experiences. Sometimes I'll hear footsteps walking up on me. I've been in hospitals chained up to a gurney and have had footsteps walk up on me. Um, I've been poked in the back of the neck. Um, I've heard disembodied voices. I most recently did one at, at an event down in Tennessee at the old old historic Herman Hospital. Mm-hmm. And they have a particular wing that the owner thought was very active. And at this particular one, it was a live challenge. So they uh, had it on Facebook and other social media sites. And during my challenge, it seemed very odd and quiet for me. Mm-hmm. But for all the viewers that were watching, there were other voices in the video with me. And it was almost like they were asking questions or answering my questions. But at the same time, it was like two different entities talking during my challenge even though i couldn't hear it everybody on the other end watching it on live feed could hear voices talking to each other and also answering my questions mm-hmm. so uh then by the time it was all done i had no idea that this was going on because i didn't hear the voices right by the time i got done i got downstairs and the owner of the location was like that's the most incredible one of the most incredible pieces of evidence we've ever captured here and i was like well what and he's like there was voices there were voices talking to each other during your and your your lockdown mm-hmm. they were talking to each other 
and as well as asking you questions. I was like, well, that's crazy because I didn't hear none of that. Wow. And it fascinates me uh, that they were able to catch it on video. I've always told people that's one of the most uh, fascinating things that fascinates me is how EVPs or sometimes audible, you'll, you'll hear disembodied voices. Sometimes you'll hear, uh, you won't hear it with your own ears, but you'll catch it on audio or video. Sometimes you'll, you'll hear it, catch it on video as well as audio. And then sometimes you'll just catch it on one or the other, or, you know, it's a, a fascinating. If, if, if you think you can hear it with your own ears, that you would catch it on video or audio or vice versa. If you think if you can hear it on audio, you will, you will, caught on video but it's not always like that sometimes you're lucky just to hear it with your own ears and you don't capture it on anything right. but then sometimes you'll hear it with your own ears and you'll capture it on everything else as well so that's one thing that uh is always fascinated with me is how a electronic voice phenomenon works you know it's it's, it's crazy and yet it's still mysterious and i'm still <laughs> very curious about it myself hmm. now did you see the video Yes, and, and you can hear voices talking throughout the video. Um, I can't say 100% for sure that it was paranormal. It was definitely interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, going through a live feed, you know, there's the possibilities of contamination from outside sources somehow, sure. maybe. I mean, I, I can't say it was 100% paranormal related, but it was definitely interesting they hear the voices and, and the things being said during the live feed. Yes, it was, it was really neat. Wow. Now, what is the most frightening experience you ever had? Um, I can't say that I've really had a frightening experience. I don't get frightened too easy. Um, the most, I guess it would be, I was at the Hartford city jail and this is the first time I've ever got touched. <laughs> I was sleeping in a, uh, in a cell at the Hartford City Jail in, in Hartford City, Blackford County Jail, I think it's called. And I was sleeping in a cell. It's probably 4.30 in the morning. I have a camera watching me. I have a recorder in the cell with me. But I'm dead asleep. And something pokes me in the back of my neck as I'm mm -hmm. sleeping. And I mean, aggressively. It wasn't just like a little flick. It was a pretty mm -hmm. hard poke. And I woke up, but I, I, I stayed still. And uh, my body went into shock, you know, it was alert. I felt that adrenaline rushing through my body, that feeling that you get. And I laid there thinking, what was that? Is it gonna do it again? You know, I knew the video right. camera was running and the recorder was running. So I laid there for about 20 minutes to see if something would do it again or if there was any other kind of interaction. And that's all it was, was just that one poke. Uh, I don't know if I was sleeping in someone's cell or, you know, he just wanted me to wake up, you know. Uh, but that was, I wouldn't say it was frightening, but it was it was the first time I had ever been touched. So it was definitely a, an impressionable moment on uh, experiences for me because I've never been touched before until that time. Right. What, you said you've never seen a full body apparition. Have you heard disembodied voices often? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we were at a Randolph County Infirmary out in uh, Winchester, Indiana. Mm -hmm. And me and a few teammates were up on the second floor in the females area. And um, at the top of that floor, coming onto that floor, there's a, a back set of steps that come onto the back side of that floor. And that last, the, the last step before you come onto the floor has a little, makes a little noise when you step on it. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so we're probably 20 feet down the hallway looking towards down that hallway. Uh, one of my teammates uh, seen a light anatomy move from one room to the next first. And then within a couple of minutes, we heard that last step make that noise. And I'm like, shh, shh. I'm telling everybody to shush because I heard that step move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then out of nowhere, we get this voice. It's a female voice and it says, sorry. Oh. <laughs> so this, this, this entity knew we were trying to be quiet. And when I shushed everybody so I you know, could hear what else was going on, she realized that I shushed her. Well, I don't think she realized I that I was trying to shush her. I was trying to shush everybody else so we could hear what was going on. But she apologized. And then we were quiet for like 30 seconds. And then finally I had to speak up. I was like, did anybody else hear that? That was a female voice. And you're like, yeah, yeah, it said sorry. Uh, <laughs> and we all called it on our audio. We all called it on our video. And we all heard it with our own ears. So that was a, a trifecta event for us. We called it all three ways with our ears, video, and audio. Um, but there's more to that story. Uh, about two months before that, it was just me and one other guy, and we had the whole building to ourselves. And uh, we were walking through that same area, and um, he just randomly asked, hey, do you want to hear a joke? And we didn't hear it with our own ears at this point, but a female came through on the video and said, yeah, I do. Oh. So once we got another <laughs> other uh, audio clip and video of the woman saying sorry, mm-hmm. I compared it to and it sounds like the same female. Wow. From the first time saying yes, you want to hear the joke, to the second time hearing the story, I believe it's the same female. The, the voice, the characteristics sound the same. Yeah, I believe it's the same female. So she's friendly. Yes. But see, there's something else that goes along with Randolph Asylum. Um, I did my challenge there. There's a jail cell up on that same floor. Mm-hmm. Right around the corner from the women's ward, it's where they would keep the unruly patients. If they acted up, they would put them in there for a cool off period. Um, I was chained up in there. I had multiple devices laying around the cell, and I had a camera watching me. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I, as soon as my teammates left from getting me set up, um, I'm in there for probably 45 minutes, and um, I'm on the floor, and I'm chained up to the bars. Uh, obviously, there's uh, metal bars around me, but I wasn't on anything, nor did I have any equipment set up on, on the bars itself. Um, so the first thing that happened was uh, it seemed like I was getting intelligent responses with one of those cat balls that was laying on the bed, which, like I said, again, I was on the floor, and this cat ball was going off. And I can see the light blinking, even though I have this pillow black pillowcase in my head. I can see the light blinking to my right on the bed. Uh, and it, it's corresponding pretty much with the questions I'm asking, are you a female? Mm-hmm. Light the ball. And it would light it up. Um, and it played with that. It did that for like five to ten minutes through the cat bowl. Then it went to the the um, millimeter, which had a rim pod attached to it. And uh, it played with that device. It was answering my questions through that device. So it and once it stopped playing with one device, it would go to the next device, but it wouldn't go back to the previous one. So hmm. this entity worked its way around the cell block or the, the cell that I was in, playing with each device for, you know, a short period of time, five, ten minutes, 
a piece, whatever it was, and wound up at my camera at the bottom of the cell. And and you can hear distinctively something tapping and messing with the camera. So it, it, it was intelligent enough to answer my questions. Right. Also, it, it went around the room to different devices, and it never went back <laughs> to the pre. One at one end, and worked its way all the way to. And I had three devices plus my camera and cell. So it, it went around and manipulated each device, or at least you know was messing with it during that period of time. Wow. And I I strongly believe it's that same female. I think that female takes a liking to me for some reason mm-hmm. because I, I, I've always uh, gotten at least one EVP or kind of response from this particular female. Uh, so I think, you know, she's one of the resident spirits and I think she has taken a liking to me because it seems like every time I go there, she interacts with me in some kind of way. And I, I, I believe that was her interacting with me in the cell that night as well, because the female, uh, it was responding to my female questions anyway. That's interesting. That she's, she just is probably very comfortable around you because you asked her questions, you acknowledge her. Yes. And, and I try to get personal if I know of a certain individual or if I feel like I'm talking to a female or a male, I try to get, not going to say on their level, but I try to be personal as far as what may have taken place with them there and try to correspond them in a in a caring way like hey i'm sorry this happened to you uh that must have been horrific you know i try to relate with that individual or the location again Mm -hmm. so yeah i i I really do get personal people think well when i'm doing my challenges that i'm uh getting crazy and asking for demons and stuff like that no i'm not doing any of that at all um right I don't provoke at all. You know, I'm, I'm very nice and just understanding, you know, I, I really get in depth with my questioning. Um, and I, I think I really try to get answers in a different kind of way, you know, sure. in my own kind of way, I guess, you know. Well, I really like that because of when people provoke and they yell and they carry on, I mean, you could be yelling at somebody's grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I think people don't realize that, that these are people, they just don't have a body. Exactly. They left their bodies. They don't have their meat suit anymore. They're like you and me. They still, and if they don't know they're dead, they still want someone to talk to. Exactly. There's a lot of lost souls out there. Yeah, they have a story. Everybody has a story with their life. For sure. So have you ever ran into, because you've investigated a lot of places and some in the middle of nowhere. Have you ever experienced other things besides ghosts, cryptids, Um, maybe something you can identify? I wouldn't say any cryptids, um, but I've definitely um, have had experiences where like, you know, uh, um, we were doing a cemetery one night. And well, I can't say it wasn't a cryptid. I don't know what it was. Um, and we were getting it ready to wrap up for the night. And we were getting ready to leave. And out of the woods, you could see these red eyes just glowing. And you could hear something growling. Mm. And needless to say, we had no idea what it could be, whether it was, you know, I don't, I don't know. So needless to say, we couldn't defend ourselves in the kind of way if whatever this was came charging us. So yes, we did leave 
Um, to this day, I, I still couldn't tell you what it was. Um, all I know is you can see red beady eyes and, and something was growling at us. Wow. Was it tall? So, um, I wouldn't say tall, like human shaped tall, like standing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was more of an animal tall, maybe the size of a, a big dog or something, you know, probably, I don't know, some dogs stand three feet, some dogs stand mm-hmm. five, you know. Three feet tall, four feet tall, three and a half feet, I guess, maybe. So I, I, I would say it, would, it was probably some kind of animal if I were to take a guess. I just don't know what it was. Wow. See, I'd be very um, weary of something like that, especially if your like, hair was standing up and you could hear mm-hmm. it growl. I'd be like, okay, I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. We, we left for sure. We didn't want to kink around whatever, whatever it may have been because of this was a cemetery out in the middle of the boonies uh, <laughs> with woods with woods surrounding the area um, I mean this is like a family plot um, wow. from years ago they owned the land and uh, there's a civil war soldier that's buried in a cemetery but at one far end of the cemetery because he abandoned his troops and he was uh, you know kicked out of the, of, the, of the military or whatever you want to call it. He was, uh, and, uh, so he was a friend of his family, but being that he was, he got dishonorably discharged. Mm-hmm. They buried him at the other, other end of the cemetery away from the family. Oh. Uh, and for some reason, like, like I said, uh, but I, I had another experience there too. I was there by myself one night, um, by myself, I think it was on, uh, Friday the thirteenth, a few years. Back. Oh my gosh! Yeah. All by no, you just went there by yourself on Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, I, I was sitting in the home and I was bored, and I was like, "I'm not going to on Friday the thirteenth. So I went back to the same cemetery. It's called Elwer Cemetery, mm-hmm. and um, I'm there by myself. It's probably I don't know, eleven thirty. It's before midnight. I know because it's still Friday the thirteenth, and um, I'm in. A, I, I put a recorder on the Civil War soldier's headstone on the far side of the cemetery in the corner is where he's buried at. And I go to the center of the cemetery to do some EVP work with the elder family that owns the land. That's the, you know, the cemetery of the family. And uh, something behind me, it's not windy. It's not anything outside. It's not raining. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, probably 60, 70 degrees uh, summer night. Uh, maybe early fall, something like that. And uh, something loud crashes behind me outside of the cemetery in the woods. I jump and do a 360 with my camera to see if I could figure out what it was, see if that's anything. I couldn't see anything. I, I couldn't make out whether it was a big limb that fell from a tree. I, I don't know what it was. Um, after, after that happened, I did some more video work. And I packed up and I went home. Well, as soon as I got home, uh, normally I'll, I'll lay in bed and listen to my recorder, see if I capture anything before I go to sleep. So I did that that night. And the recorder that was sitting on that Civil War soldier's headstone. Now, mind you, I'm on in the middle of the cemetery, far away from this, his headstone. I can hear something walking through the leaves mm-hmm. coming up to that headstone. And again, you hear a growl. Oh my gosh. Yes, yeah, something growls, but then you never hear anything leave. You don't hear nothing walk away. All you hear is walking up to the, the headstone, 
you hear a growl and then that's all there is. Hmm. And that's in the same cemetery, the Eller Cemetery. Wow. Did you leave after you heard the growl? Well, I didn't hear it until I got home. I didn't hear oh, it until I cleared it back That's in interesting. Yeah, when I got home that night, I laid in bed and had the headphones on. I was like, well, I'll listen to some EVP. <laughs> and that's when I heard it. And I was like, oh, my God, what was there? You know, I heard the big noise behind me. Was he distracting me mm-hmm. or whatever it was? Was it distracting me by making that noise behind me? And then it walked over towards the the Civil War soldier's grave. And I think his name was William Payne. I think that's what the soldier's name was, William Payne. Uh, and he's, you know, so I don't know if it's him. Um, that because that cemetery has uh has uh you know been told stories about there's a man that walks around with a lantern and you know different different mm-hmm. things of that nature around a cemetery or through the woods. Uh, I've never physically seen that happen there, but could it be this man that everybody speaks of? Uh, right. You know, I, I don't know, but we've had a couple of good experiences there at that cemetery, and it's just a small plot, small family cemetery. There's probably 20 family members there and plus the civil war soldier that's buried over in the corner of the graveyard. Wow. I'd be, I'd be not sure I'd want to go back by myself. <laughs> but see, see what, what intimidates most people intrigues me. I get intrigued. I, I, I want to get more, um, mm-hmm. you know, it just intrigues me to want to go back and see what else I can capture, you know, especially since it's a local cemetery to me. That gives me an opportunity to to learn more about what's going on there, who may be there. And for a lot of us, we don't have places like that that we can go to often enough. We don't, you know, I mean, I think the closest place that I, I got to me that I really like to go to is an old jail up in Crown Point, Indiana, the old Lake County Sheriff's Office in jail. Oh, and uh-huh. that, that's kind of my home location that I frequent quite often. And uh, I love the place. It's got a lot of history to it. Um, it's been open since the late 1800s. Plus, it has another factory for me. John Dillinger was locked up there for quite a few, uh, for quite a while before he escaped in 1934. Hmm. Anybody that knows me knows I'm big into gangsters and monsters. So that's kind of the best of both worlds for me. It's it's paranormal related, and it's got some some mobster relations to it too as far as John Dillinger being locked up there back in the days. Wow. So now have you investigated investigated that that's just real nice, Denny. <laughs> <laughs> Didi does it again, mispronounce the simple words. Um have you investigated some of the gangster hotspots in Chicago? Have you got a chance to do that? Well I haven't investigated any gangster hotspots in Chicago. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Maybe then other than being at a Mount Cornwall cemetery where most of them are buried at. Uh, I've done some EVP sessions in the cemetery with Al Capone, um, Frank Nitti, Sam Genacana, and there's a few other ones, Bloody, Bloody Mike Angelo, and a few other other uh, more famous, notorious gangsters out there. But as far as any locations... Um, no, because um, I don't think a lot of uh, the people there in Chicago and the city itself approve of that kind of stuff. And there's not really, I mean, I'm sure there is some kind of place that you can investigate out there, 
but most of the gangster spots are, are been turned into um, restaurants or sure. you know, different things of that nature. And, you know, you can go in and have dinner or whatever, but they're not going to let you come in and investigate. Yeah, no, I get that. Did you get anything in those cemeteries? Um, I can't say I did there at the time. No, no. I was just most recently there back in, I think it was May. Um, we were out at Crown Point, Indiana, and it's, I don't know, half an hour outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. We stopped by uh, to see the Michael Jackson house out there in Gary and went by the location where the Demon house used to be at out there in Gary, which is been tore down that's the one that zach bought and tore down oh, and then yeah. we, went over to, we went over to chicago for the day and went to the cemeteries and uh went by and took some of the teammates to see al capone's old house um but yeah i have never got anything from any of the gangsters which is kind of sad for me because that would be so cool for al capone but like hey yeah get off my get off my grave or stay away or you know, yeah. something. <laughs> Just anything. Yeah, that'd be pretty crazy to get an EVP from one of the old-time gangsters. (laughs) So what is your dream investigation? If you could invest, and it doesn't matter where around the world, where would you like to investigate? Well, a question comes up quite often, and I tell people there's my top two, and I can't choose between the two because it's the two I want to do more than anything. I'd love to investigate Alcatraz. Mm -hmm. Or I'd love to go to Egypt and, and investigate the pyramids. Oh, that would be some crazy stuff, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yes, old places like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I've been to Alcatraz on a tour probably 10 years ago. And throughout the tour, um, they showed us all the hot spots and uh, what famous people's uh, cell blocks and cells or whatever. And then it, we got down to the to the hole. Mm-hmm. And of course, the uh, the guy that was giving us the tour, he's like, "Hey, I need a volunteer. Who wants to spend some time in the hole?" Me being who I was, I was like, "Put me in, <laughs> put me in. I want to do it." So they put me in that hole down there in, in in the basement or whatever you want to call it of Alcatraz, and left me in there. I don't know. It was only probably five minutes, but that was probably one of the most deepest, darkest, creepiest places I've ever been in my life. Really, that hole. Darker than dark, because there's two doors. There's uh, two doors that separate you from the outside, um, not just one big door. There's two of them. So I mean, and then there's no light in there whatsoever. Not even coming in, shining from the doors. I mean, it's just completely, completely dark. And uh, it was pretty intimidating, <laughs> you know, that. being in a class, uh, in a place like that because uh, they had people down there in the hole that spent not just a couple of days, but like months at a time down there that literally went crazy being in there. And Mm -hmm. just, yeah, I mean, it's no place for a human being to be in for a long period of time. I mean, a couple of days would be enough. I could imagine being in there for months at a time. And the only time you see any kind of light is pretty much when they open a little slot to give you a tray, you know? Right. A pretty intimidating place. And with that being said, that's why I want to investigate it, because there's so much history with it throughout the years, um, with all the fights, um, the riots, uh, people, you know, committing suicide, yes. um, inmate crime. The place is like a, a, you know, it's a paranormal hot box, you know, I mean, it's just, 
And then it's out of the middle of nowhere, surrounded by water on top of that. So Yeah, the ocean. Exactly. So, you know, that's got to generate some extra energy for the spirits as well. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, and I'm not sure what kind of rock it's on, but it could be limestone. I don't know. I don't know oh, my gosh. I, 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 you know, where I live, it's just full of limestone. Right. And it has three rivers and it has railroad tracks. <laughs> oh, well. I don't know. Is Indianapolis like that? Um, we have some spots. I mean, the, uh, Indianapolis is a big city. So, yeah, there's certain areas that have, you know, little creeks, rivers with limestone and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah. you know, and then some lakes close by to us. So, yeah. That's interesting. So you went to Alcatraz, but you haven't got to investigate it. And you'd like no, to go to the pyramids. No. Would love to. Would love to. That's interesting. It, those ancient cities are so wonderful. Yes. Um, yes. I I got a I've chance actually, to be in Istanbul, and I can tell you, you can you could just feel the history. Oh yeah, for sure. You can feel for it sure. walking next to you. You can just you can just feel mm-hmm. it because buildings they were so much older in these countries. Right. Like well, I remember growing up as a kid. I wish I would have been more into it as a teenager because right. when I was a teenager, I was over in Germany, and they had these old buildings, churches, mm-hmm. you know, whatever concentration camps for that matter. Um, when I grew up in Germany, and I would have loved to have been into that to the paranormal then because I would have explored some of those places why I lived in Germany. But unfortunately, I wasn't. And active in a paranormal field at that time. Right. Wow, I can't imagine going into a concentration camp. Yeah, actually, uh, wow. My dad said he took us there when we were when we were younger. I don't remember much about it, but he said he took us there to a concentration camp when we were younger on on some kind of tour that they did. But I don't I don't remember much about it. Wow, I I remember Washington D.C. has the Holocaust Museum. Mm-hmm. And I really was not prepared. I mean, I knew a lot about the history because I studied um, Roman culture, and I wanted to see the gypsy wagon. I wanted to see the Rom clothing, and they had a little corner of the Romani people that they paid homage to. But walking into it, as soon as I hit the shoe section, oh my gosh, I'm, I was so glad I had Kleenex because... The waterworks. Right. Well, I can imagine. The I whole time. Imagine. I was like, I walked out of there and was like, why did I do that to myself? And I couldn't stop crying. Right. It was like an all-night affair there. <laughs> you know? oh my God. Yeah, some places just had that impact on you, though. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't cry, some some places just bring that sadness to you. And you get that sadness, over overwhelming feeling. Out of nowhere, when you walk into a location sometimes, and it just kind of smacks you, and it just sticks with you all night. It's like, yeah, you know, this place is dreadful, and makes me so sad just to be here. You know, I mean, some yeah. places have a strange effect on you, and some places have a totally different effect on you. It's just, it's weird. Oh yeah, it being was so weird. Locations and how it affects you. Yeah, and I mean that was in D.C., but I think it was all the clothing and all of the things that they had. And there just created that whole sadness and energy and grief. I was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. This field that we're in is pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, it just 
always keeps you guessing and on your toes of what's going to happen next. What are you going to experience next? Yeah. And people don't realize investigators, um, when I talk to them, you guys have a lot of different emotions when you investigate a place. Yes, we do. I mean, people think it's like on TV, but it is, it is completely, I mean, of course, a little bit, of course, you know, but in real person, it, it can be very emotional sometimes. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. And you can get sure. attached to buildings as well. People are drawn to certain places for, I think, I believe for a reason. Right. Yeah, I believe I'm a, uh, that I'm drawn to that jail. Uh, not just because of the history and the Dillinger thing, but I just have this connection with it. And uh, the, the lady that runs it, Sandy, um, you know, she's a wonderful person. She's the uh, head of the board of, of the, you know, the uh, fixing the place up, taking care of the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, uh, it's it's my home away from home. I mean, if anybody asks me, what's your favorite location? I mean, I have to say that. It's, it's that jail out there in Crown Point. It's just, I, I look forward to going there. I, I wait for that next opportunity to get back there because I'm always on the road. And, and Sandy's like, I miss you. I'm like, yeah, I need to get back. I need to come back home. Why did it come on? She's like, well, the spirits miss you. you oh, need to get back home. You know, so, yeah. yeah, I love it out there. It's so interesting. I talked to a lot of investigators and um, they have Pacific Buildings. I don't know if you know Jason Schneider, but his building is the Hannah House. Okay. Yeah. I know what a Hannah House is. That's not too far from. Yeah. He loves the Hannah House. He does all of his things there. And it's so interesting. Like he's so drawn to that building. And I think certain investigators have that one location that just means a lot to them. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's good because, like I said, those are the kind of locations that we can go back to, to to, to always try to get more answers and and get to know the spirits that are there and for them to get familiar with us and build that relationship with them. So, no, hey, if I've been going for a while, hey, T-Dog's back. What's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? (laughs) Uh, So it's nice to have that, you know, some place that you can call your paranormal home that you can go to and, and get acquainted with spirits there. That way you can learn more and try different methods and, and ways of communicating with them or whatever, yeah. because you can't do that in one night. You know, when you can get some interaction with, you know, spirits at, I don't know, Waverly Hills, by mm-hmm. going there one night. But, you know, if you only go there once every three years, how well are the spirits? I mean, unless they just for some reason remember you, mm-hmm. how likely are you to, uh, you know, interact with that same spirit again, or they might not even remember who you are or you know, so it's nice to have a location that you can go to on a regular basis to have communication with, you know, whatever spirits are there. Now, when you go to your paranormal spot, do you, have mm-hmm. you captured EVPs there? No, oh, we've captured some amazing evidence there um, from uh, EVPs. Um, I was actually... <laughs> chained up in John Dillinger's cell one night to a big metal pole that's in the middle of the cell. Mm-hmm. And on the, um, this is back, I mean, it's been years ago, so we were still using a K2 meter here and there. Um, the K2 meter was sitting on the bars outside of the door. There was multiple cameras set up around me, and I didn't experience it at the moment. Um, 
But doing my session, a few minutes within the session, something starts playing with the K2 meter. And this is all captured on video. Um, you see what looks to be like a ghostly hand right there at the bowlers where the K2 meter is, almost like it was manipulating the K2 meter. Hmm. And I'm seeing it as I'm reviewing it, this video, and I'm calling my senator. I'm like, Cody, come in here and look at this. What's that look like to you? And without me saying anything to me, he's like, Dad, it looks like there's a hand right there messing with the K2 meter. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, this is an old geo, so the bars are rusty and paint's flaking off, so there's really no kind of shine to them, the bars at all. They're like, if the K2 went on, it would be lighting up in the bars and making a certain look. Uh, these are rusty and, 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 you know, whatever. So they're not shiny like the newer gel cells are. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, K, there's just what looks like a hand physically messing with the K2 meter. Um, and then towards the end of that session, the bunk that was below me, I was standing three feet away from it. And there was the, the, uh, the noise of someone sitting on the bunk and on the old jails, if you sit on those old metal bunks yeah. or get up off of them, they flex and make a, a noise right below me, three feet away from me on the bottom bunk. There was that flex, like someone either just sat down on that bunk or just got up from that bunk that the metal flexed mm-hmm. on that bottom. bunk. There. Um, we had an experience for one night. Uh, we were also filming again that night. We were in the solitary confinement block and um, we were filming, and my son had the camera in his hands, and he hears what sounds like laughing at first. And he's like, he's looking around with the camera, and then he hears something else that sounds like crying. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the female investigators that was with us was sitting in a chair next to one of our other female investigators, and she was crying. So my son turns the camera around and is like, hey, are you okay? Are you crying? She jumps up runs out of the cell block and stands at the top of the tier that where the stairs are that goes down to the other steps uh-huh. and yells at the top of her lungs, leave me alone. Don't push me down these stairs. She continues to run down the stairs and out of the building. Oh, wow. Yeah. Something came over her. She said she felt a very strong male aggressive spirit, which there is a very aggressive male spirit, uh, a child rapist that, raped a bunch of kids up there and up there towards uh michigan somewhere at some i don't know uh, whatever it was it might have been at the uh, i can't think of what the place is called up there uh, by michigan it's a big uh lake and and uh beach and stuff up there um one of the great lakes yeah, well, some place up there, but I get a name for it. I can't, I can't think of the name of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, he was he was like a serial killer rapist out there up in the, up up north somewhere, and that was he was housed in that cell cell area, mm-hmm. and uh, he likes to aggressively mess with females. Um, he likes to growl on women's ears. He likes Ooh. to be uh, physically aggressive. Um, the owner Sandy, well, not the owner, but the the head person Sandy that here the place mm-hmm. was physically grabbed by the neck and put up against one of the cell blocks by her neck. Mm-hmm. Um, multiple EVPs throughout the whole place. We were in one area and asked him, hey, what kind of cigarettes did you smoke? Camel. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we try to play poker with him. Um, we've gotten some good 
responses playing poker on EVPs with them. Like, do you want to hit? And you'll hear it say, yeah. You know, like if we're playing blackjack or something, do you want to hit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, multiple people being touched and groped and things of that nature. Um, just my brother, we were, we did an event there one night. Mm-hmm. And my younger brother, Chris, that's on the team with us, um, he was in the kitchen. And I'm running around giving people tours and telling them about the place and investigating. And he's in the kitchen. And out of some, nowhere, something kind of came over him. And uh, he felt rage and anger. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was looking at the people. Or, and these are our guests that came there to our event. And he's looking at him and he's, he's wanting to punch people in the face. And he's looking at my son, you know, his, his nephew, mm-hmm. like, shut the hell up, Cody, leave me alone. You know, and one of our other teammates, Scott, seen him and took him outside. He's like, hey, what's wrong with you? And once he got him outside and across the street from the building, like whatever it was, kind of faded away. But I wasn't aware of none of this because I was doing my own thing with the the guests. So I come downstairs and I go outside and I see him across the street and like, hey, what's going on, guys? And he explained to me, he was standing in the kitchen and it was like something almost came over him out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And he felt this anger and rage and he just wanted to punch people in the face and yell at them and cuss them out and just be aggressive with his nephew and, and the guest. And thank wow. God, uh, thank God our other teammate that is a sensitive and, and, and uh, noticed a difference in his attitude mm-hmm. and immediately took him outside shortly after noticing it. So yeah, that was a good thing. But so yeah, there's a little bit of everything. There's friendly spirits there. Um, there's aggressive ones. There's mm-hmm. uh, crazier ones. Um, nothing demonic. I, I, that's one thing I can't say. I, don't think I've ever run in run into any demonic entities in my <laughs> 20 years of doing this. Maybe some aggressive or asshole spirits. Um, because they say, you know, obviously sometimes if you're, you know, if you're an a-hole in real life, you're probably gonna be an a-hole. Right. Man. So, but I don't think I've ever ran into anything demonic in, in my personal experiences throughout the years. That's true. They say, you know, if you're a certain way in life. You will probably be that way when you pass over. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I probably I like to joke around with people. I play a lot of pranks and I'm goofy and silly. Uh-huh. Well, I'll probably be a goofy prankster spirit. <laughs> I'll have all the dogs and cats follow me. <laughs> Boy. So what are some of the projects coming up that you guys are going to be doing? Um. The one that I'm looking forward to the most, and it's it's a, it's a big one for the year for me because I've never been to this location. It's an absolute new location, and a, and it's a, a double dose of paranormal. It's a, the Crescent Sanatorium in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. It's an old sanatorium slash prison. Oh, my. They have a sanatorium on the grounds and a prison. And I've never been a location like this before with two different they're on the same grounds, but two different locations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's good. And if you think about the sanatorium, it opened as a TB hospital in the early 1900s, and it remained open for so long. So if you think about all the tragedy and and the things that happened there, along with the prisons being on the ground with you new know, inmates and and suicides and deaths, and it's a recipe for this, for for paranormal between the the two things being on the same ground mm-hmm. and there's buildings to each pro- each 
thing still there on the property. They have so many buildings that were left there from the sanatorium days and so many cell blocks and whatever, whatnot, from the prison that was there. So it's it's had a lot of years of a lot of trauma and just mixed emotions and stories and history. You know, I mean, just it's, it's going to be very exciting, to say the least. It sounds really cool. Yeah, and I, I've been looking forward to that one all year long. And so it's, it's coming up in a couple of weekends. Uh, after that, I have some events going. This, and that's just an investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some events up in Iowa at the, um, the Squirrel Cage of Jail, August 18th. August 19th, we will be at the Railroad West Museum and Depot. Ooh. And I've never done a railroad or depot, so that will be a new one for me. Um, then I'll actually be going back to Randolph County for the weekend mm-hmm. in August. And I think the last thing I got going on August is August 31st. I'll be going back to the Villalisca Axe Murder House up in Iowa. Ooh, that would be creepy. Yeah, I've been there once and uh, I'm looking forward to returning. Awesome. T-Dog, it's been a pleasure talking to you and I really appreciate you coming on Twilight Tonic. No, I appreciate you having me. It's always good talking to new people and sharing some stories. I appreciate it. All right, you have a good night. 